premillennial, pre-tribulational, dispensational, independent, and standing on the inspired, preserved Word of God, the King James Bible as our final authority, this is the Sword of the Spirit Podcast with your host and Bible teacher, Joseph Rusiello. Take your Bible, sit back, and join us as we open and study the Word of God. And now, here's your host. Hey folks, this is Joe Russiello, and it is great to be with you once again as we open up and study the precious Word of God, your King James Bible. And you know, folks, as always, wherever you are, whenever you are, and on whatever platform it is you find yourself listening to us on, it's always my prayer that you also find yourself in the grace and in the mercy of our Lord and Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. And folks, we are broadcasting live from the Asylum Studios here in the beautiful city of Eagle Pass, Texas. And it is a beautiful, beautiful Thursday evening here in Eagle Pass. Well, folks, last week we uh, finished our study in the book of Revelation. And boy, it was a blessing for me. And uh, I hope it was a blessing to you just as much as it was for me. And uh, in thinking about where we're going next uh, in our Thursday night series, uh, I hope that... uh, the direction that we're going starting tonight uh, will be a blessing for you as well. All right. Now, I've said many times, many, many times that I'm a dispensationalist and I believe that the Bible has divisions in it and uh, more divisions than most people recognize. Uh, You know, most people say, well, I believe in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Well, so do I. But there are a lot of other divisions in the Bible when you examine it. And without knowing where they are and what they are, you can really get yourself into some problems. And uh, we see that to be a common difficulty uh, that people have because they're unwilling to or they don't rightly divide the word of truth. So a great deal of confusion results in Christianity today because of that, because of people just not doing that very thing. Now, the word dispensation, the word dispensation is used in the Bible four times. And uh, you'll hear me from time to time say dispensational truth, or this dispensation, or that dispensation. And uh, that's what we're going to be studying in in this series, several dispensations. Or if you want to put it even simpler than that, uh, time periods or references of time. All right, now, before we get any further into our Bible study, and I start teaching it now as opposed to later on, uh, I'm going to ask you to do just two things for me. First of all, would you please visit our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com, and when you get over there, head over to our contact section, and why don't you send us over a message? Uh, You can let us know whatever's on your heart, whatever's on your mind, any questions, comments, cares, or concerns that you might have. And you could also send over your prayer requests. Now, your prayer requests are really important to me, so please, 
please don't forget to send them over. I really do pray over them, and I really do appreciate getting them, and it's a privilege for me to be able to pray over them for you and with you. Now, of course, if you don't like to use the web form, that's fine. You can always email me directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. That's info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Now, folks, also, while you're on the website, if you would, would you please look for this Support This Podcast button? And when you find it, would you consider supporting us with a small monthly contribution? You can set that up for $0.99, cents, $4.99, or $9.99 a month. Now, if you can't do a monthly recurring contribution, I understand that. I know the economy is hard and things are tight for a lot of folks. But if you can make a one-time contribution, uh, we would really appreciate that just as much. And uh, you could do that by clicking on the Waygiver button or by scanning the Cash App QR code, which is also on our website. Now, folks, why don't you pray about it? And if the Lord leads you to do it, if you find these podcasts and these live broadcasts have been a blessing to you in any way, and if you'd like to be an active part of this ministry, your contribution will go a very, very long way, and I would be extremely thankful for it. Now, first and foremost, before we go any further with the show, I always want to stop here and just want to say thank you to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, first of all, for the gift of salvation, for saving me. Uh, 23 years ago, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ saved me from eternity in a burning, eternal, worst place imaginable, a place called hell, outer darkness. And uh, I cannot be more thankful for that incredible and tremendous gift. And folks, it is a gift. It's an absolute gift. It's something that I didn't have to work for. It's not something that um, that I had a struggle for. Uh, I didn't. It, it didn't come through my church. It didn't come through uh, any uh, any any baptism. It didn't come through any sacrament. It didn't come through anything except the mercy and the grace of the Lord. And uh, it's something, folks, that uh, now would be the time to uh, to uh, to receive that gift. Uh, as we studied, as we went through the book of Revelation, there's going to be a time, and it's coming very, very soon, where the church age is going to close, the age of grace or the dispensation of grace is going to close, and uh, it's not going to be so easy to get saved and to get to heaven, uh, especially going through the tribulation period. So, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. So, folks, I would implore you, please, don't go to hell. You don't have to go to hell. Anyone who goes to hell can only blame themselves for it. And I say that because God has provided a way for you not to go to hell. And that way is through his Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. All you have to do is put your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, accept the gift of salvation that he has provided for you. And uh, uh, if you do that, all, that's all you need. That is absolutely all you need. 
Now, folks, I also want to say thank you to the Lord for allowing me to have this particular ministry. This is a, uh, this is a, a great, great blessing for me, a tremendous blessing for me. Uh, this is something that uh, I've sought to do for a number of years, and the Lord has opened up the opportunity for us a year ago. And here we are now, uh, uh, well over a year later, uh, and uh, the Lord has blessed this, and I am so very thankful for it. And uh, I wouldn't be able to do this if it wasn't for His grace. I also want to say thank you to all of our supporters, those of you who support us prayerfully. Thank you, and God bless you for your prayers. Thank you for praying for me, for my family, for this ministry. And uh, please, please continue to do so. Uh, We have a number of things that are coming down the road and uh, a number of things that we're going to be looking to do. Uh, to, uh, to to further to, to further preach the gospel and uh, to further educate the body of saints and uh, it's something that uh, I need you to pray about with me. Uh, also, want to say thank you to all of you who uh, still currently uh, financially support us. Thank you so much for all of your support. God bless you for it. And uh, when I tell you that your contributions really do go a long way, folks, they really do go a long way. Uh, uh, if it wasn't for your contributions, uh, whether it's by prayer or your financial contributions, uh, you know, we would have a very hard time keeping the lights on for this. We'd have a really hard time on a, a lot of the platforms that we're on. And uh, uh, so thank you again so much for your financial support. I, I really do appreciate it. And, uh, you know, just as an example, some of the things that your financial support goes to, uh, it goes to sending out materials to folks that request it. Uh, it goes out to, it goes to, uh, to missionaries that are serving active ministries around the world. Uh, it goes to keeping the platforms paid for that we're on uh, for our studio operation. It, it's, it's really, your financial support is a tremendous, tremendous help, and I really do thank you for it. Now, of course, I also want to say thank you to every single one of our listeners. I mean, folks, you guys are the greatest. I mean, you know, I, I often say that I have an exceptional audience, and I, and I mean that from the bottom of my heart. I really do have an exceptional audience, uh, not only because you guys are super smart and you can follow along with the things I'm teaching, and uh, uh, and I mean that uh, sincerely, and I also, because of the plays and the downloads, your faithfulness and listening to whatever it is that we put out, uh, you have kept us uh, high up in the search algorithms. You've kept us in the number one position on our Good Pods platform uh, on those five on those five separate categories. It's, a, it's a tr- really, folks, it's a blessing, and I am so thankful for it. And uh, over the last few days, we've actually picked up a number of new listeners on Good Pods. We picked up uh, a few new listeners on uh, on uh, on Apple Podcasts. We picked up a few on Spotify, and uh, it it really is a blessing. And the fact that the folks are starting to tune in, you know, at the conclusion of doing the Book of Revelation, really is uh, wonderful because they can always go back, they can listen to those studies, and uh, Lord willing, they're here with us tonight, whether it's live or in the podcast version later on tonight. Uh, as we get into our study of dispensational truth. And uh, folks, just wherever it is that you're listening, please, please be sure to like, subscribe, and share it with your friends, your family, and your followers. That way, you'll be helping us to spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
All right, with all that said, how about we get to some announcements? Folks, so just to remind you of our Sermon Sunday broadcast, which goes on every Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, and uh, also our Thursday night Bible study, which is at 7 p.m. Central Time, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Uh, Tonight, we'll be getting into uh, the study of the dispensations, and we'll be getting into the pre-Adamic dispensation, which is uh, going to be an interesting study, and uh, I'm looking forward to getting into it. I kind of want to just skip into it right now, but unfortunately, uh, we can't. We have to get through our opening segments, and uh, we're going to be doing that as quickly as we possibly can tonight. Now, uh, you can find us on our website at com. Just look for the player on our homepage. Or you can uh, find us on our Spreaker host site. And if you find us on Spreaker to listen in live, uh, you can also jump on into our chat group, uh, which is open and active right now. So if you are logged into Spreaker with an active account, you can jump on in there and you can drop in any prayer requests, any questions, comments, or or, uh, concerns that you have as we're going through. And, of course, I'll be responding to that on our breaks this way uh, we can have our uh, some good interaction. Uh, it's a real, real treat, it's a real blessing for me at least. I hope it is for you as well. Now, folks, if you're in the Eagle Pass area and you're looking for a good King James Bible-believing and Bible-teaching church, why don't you consider paying us a visit over at First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass? We meet at 664 North Monroe. Our Sunday school hour starts at 10 a.m. Our morning worship service begins at 11 a.m. Our Sunday evening service is at 6 p.m. And, of course, our Wednesday night Bible study is at 7 p.m. For more information, all you need to do is visit the church's Facebook page. And to do that, just log into Facebook, search for First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. And once you get there, you're going to find a lot of really helpful information. And you'll also find episodes of this podcast. And uh, we want to say thank you to the folks at First Baptist Church and to our pastor, John Monk, for allowing us the privilege of posting our podcast up on the church's Facebook page. And I've said this before several times, and it always bears some repeating. Uh, this podcast is not an official ministry of First Baptist Church of Eagle Pass. I am just a member of the church, and uh, it's a kindness and a blessing of the church to allow us to use the church's Facebook page. I don't have a Facebook page. I don't need a Facebook page. And most certainly, I do not want a Facebook page. So the church allowing us to do this has been a blessing, and the outreach has been fantastic. Now, folks, if... Excuse me. If you are interested in prepping, I would really like to tell you about the Contra Radio Network. The Contra Radio Network is a single podcast housing nearly a dozen talented podcast and vidcast hosts and artists from around the country that release content daily. The Contra Radio Network releases about 15 to 20 shows a week, depending on the current events, and there are no issues that are off limits. If you want a breakdown of current events, we got it. 
If you want to know more about preparedness and self-sufficiency, hey, we got that too. You want a guy driving around ranting like a lunatic? Strangely enough, we've got that. Now, if you want to hear more about politics, you want more Bible studies, sports, camping, firearms, and more, the Contra Radio Network has it all covered. You can find the Contra Radio Network on all of your podcasting platforms, such as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Podbean, and more. You could also find Contra Radio Network at www.crn.best. That's CRN. Best. All right, folks, also want to tell you about the Three Pillars podcast, which is a great podcast that's put out by a good friend of mine, Brother Chase Tobing. Now, Brother Chase puts out this podcast every Friday morning, and it is a great way for you to start your Friday. The Three Pillars podcast focuses on personal growth, utilizing the three pillars of fitness, spiritual, mental, and physical. You could find the Three Pillars podcast on YouTube. Uh, just search for the Three Pillars podcast. Or you could also search for Tobinator the Motivator. I know he's migrating from that account to the Three Pillars account, but there's still plenty of content available on it. You could also uh, find him on Rumble. Now, I would recommend Rumble over YouTube any day. Uh, but So you can find him there at Three Pillars Podcast. You can also find him on his website, threepillarspodcast.wordpress.com. Don't forget, every Friday morning, check him out. Really great stuff. and really appreciate him and his fellowship. Now, folks, don't forget to head over to our website, swordofthespiritpodcast.com, and look for that programming announcements subscription box. You could uh, fill that out, get on our mailing list, and all we're going to do with that is to send out programming notes regarding uh, cancellations or a late start or maybe we have a guest, uh, any number of of things that uh, can go on between our Sunday and Thursday show. We find it's the best way to uh, keep in contact with everybody, and uh, the best part of it is it's free, don't cost you nothing. And uh, we don't sell your information. We don't share your information. It stays all right here with us at the Sword of the Spirit podcast. So just head on over to our website, get yourself on the list, and stay in the know. Now also on our uh, website, look for the Sword Swag section. And when you find that, you're going to find a space where you're going to find these great Sword of the Spirit podcast ceramic coffee mugs, which I have in my hot little hand right here. And uh, tonight's broadcast beverage is uh, another Starbucks uh, espresso, uh, an espresso Americano, by the way. Black tonight. No creamers. So, mm. Wow. That's stronger than I thought it would be. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> All right, so you can get one of these uh, ceramic coffee mugs for a contribution of $25. And uh, if you'd like to get one of these Sword of the Spirit podcast T-shirts like I'm wearing right now, you can get one of these T-shirts for a $35 contribution. All you have to do is just click the info button. uh, Let me know exactly what it is that you're looking for. I will send you back the link to where you can make your contribution. And once all that stuff clears up, we can send that right out to you. All right, folks. Well, 
that brings us to our first break of the uh, of the evening. Uh, uh, when we come back from this break, we'll be getting into our prayer requests. Now, folks, please don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this podcast with your friends, your family, and your followers. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. We'll be back right after this. Don't go away. Hi, everyone. This is JJ, the co-founder of Good Pods. If you haven't heard of it yet, Good Pods is like Goodreads or Instagram, but for podcasts. It's new, it's social, it's different, and it's growing really fast. There are more than 2 million podcasts, and we know that it is impossible to figure out what to listen to. On Good Pods, you follow your friends and podcasters to see what they like. That is the number one way to discover new shows and episodes. You can find Good Pods on the web or download the app. Happy listening.
Amen, amen, and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Ruscello, and uh, we are moving right along into our prayer request segment of the show. All right. Now, folks, don't forget, if you have any prayer requests whatsoever, big or small, doesn't matter. Just send them on over to us at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com or head over to our website and use the contact form there at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. All right, folks, first and foremost, before uh, you know, we pray about anything else for anyone else, we always pray about those that are in need of salvation. Now, salvation is the single most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. And it's a decision that um, that's, uh, it's important because it has eternal consequences. It has eternal consequences. And uh, what are those eternal consequences? Well, uh, should you decide to uh, reject the gospel message? Should you decide to uh, put it off um, and you should die without accepting the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior? Uh, Or if uh, the rapture takes place and the church is taken out and you find yourself going through the tribulation, uh, and uh, you don't you don't get saved during the tribulation through faith and works. Well, you're going to find yourself in hell. Just that simple. Uh, it's one of those things that I don't mince words about. It's one of those things that I'm very blunt and direct about. Hell is the worst place imaginable, and uh, I would recommend that if you haven't already heard it, uh, go back through the show archives and uh, a couple of months ago. We did a show on the reality of hell, and we talked about what hell is, where hell is, what's it like, and who's there, and who's going to be there. So I would recommend you go check it out. It is not a place of, uh, of, of parties and card games and cigars and booze and uh, all the other stuff that goes along with it. It's nothing like that at all. It is the absolute worst place imaginable. It was a place that was designed for the devil and his angels. It was never intended for man. But of course, through man's disobedience, through his rebellion, through his sin, man finds himself on his way to hell with the devil and his angels. Folks, believe me when I tell you, you don't want to go to hell. The Lord Jesus Christ, as a matter of fact, the Lord Jesus Christ talked about hell more than he talked about heaven. Read your gospel accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. The Lord Jesus Christ talked about hell more than he spoke about heaven. That should tell you something, folks. That should give you some kind of an idea as to how important this decision is. Jesus Christ said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh, up to, cometh unto the Father but by me. I think it's pretty cut and dry, don't you think? I think, uh, you know, Lord Jesus Christ was a little narrow-minded, don't you? There's not a multiple ways to heaven. Muhammad's not going to get you to heaven. Buddha's not going to get you to heaven. Confucius is not going to get you to heaven. Mary is not going to get you to heaven. The Baptist Church, the Catholic Church, the uh, Episcopal Church, the Presbyterian Church, no church is going to get you to heaven. 
The only way you're going to get to heaven is by putting your full faith, trust, and confidence in the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. And that blood was shed for you, for your sin, and for the sins of the world on the cross of Calvary. And the only thing that the Lord asks you to do is believe it and accept it. That's it. That's all there is to it. Well, you know, preacher, I don't want to have to, you know, I have things in my life that I have to straighten out first. No, you don't. No, you don't. Jesus Christ will take you exactly as you are, right now, right where you are. There's nothing more important. So you need to consider it, folks. You need to consider it. All right, so on our prayer list for salvation, we're praying for Adam's father. We're praying for Sharon, Manuel's mother, uh, all of the unsaved members of the Baldino family, and we're also praying for a friend of mine up in New York named David. So, Heavenly Father, we want to ask you tonight, Lord, that if you would please just work in them, draw them into yourself, all the folks on our salvation prayer list, and, of course, Lord, any of those that are listening that are not saved, Lord, we lift them up in prayer tonight as well. Father, we just pray that you would just uh, touch each one of them, that you would draw them to yourself. Lord, that you would direct someone across their path that can give them the gospel and, Lord, perhaps lead them to the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you so much for that gift of salvation. We thank you for your son. Lord, we thank you for your perfect blood that was spilled on the cross of Calvary. Lord, we just cannot wrap our heads around that gift Sometimes, Lord, I, I confess that, it's, that it's, it's unfathomable, absolutely unfathomable, how you could look on man, like the Scripture says, what is man that thou art mindful of him? But, Father God, in your love and your mercy, you provided a way for us to be with you for eternity in glory. And we pray tonight for David for the Baldino family, for Manuel's mother, for Sharon, for Adam's father, and for anyone listening that is not saved. We pray for them tonight, and we will thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, uh, going on down to our sick list. Uh, tonight we'll be praying for uh, Pastor Martin. Uh, pastor Martin is, uh, is my pastor's pastor and uh, a good friend to me as well. And we're praying for his vision, we're praying for his heart condition, we're praying for his eczema, and we're praying for uh, the medications that he's on and that the Lord would give him strength. Uh, we're also praying for my sister, Laura, uh, with a, a disc problem in her back. We're praying for Renly, who is uh, feeling under the weather. We're praying for Diana, Adam's mom, who's dealing with an infection. We're praying for Laura, uh, who has cancer, Janae, with a heart condition. We're praying for Sharon Baldino, who is uh, battling cancer, Martin Mata, dealing with lymphoma, uh, Daniel Villarreal, who is going through chemotherapy for leukemia, Alex Ortiz, and Diego Ortiz uh, for their illness. We're praying for Juan with uh, cancer. We're praying for a good brother in Christ and a good friend of mine, Ruben, with a pinched nerve in his neck. And... Uh, for the procedures that he's been going through and all the doctor's appointments that he's been in and out of the last couple of weeks. We're also praying for Patricia Alvarado uh, for uh, kidney problems related to cancer. We're praying for Tina, who is uh, battling cancer. And we're also praying for Jerry, uh, who's recovering from a broken leg. 
Going on down to our general prayer list, we're praying for my brother-in-law, Jude, and his business up in New York City uh, as a contractor. Now, folks, if you are in the New York City area and you are in need of a contractor, uh, I would really recommend my brother-in-law. Uh, he does fantastic work, very reasonable, uh, willing to work with you. And uh, I think I can say that um, without any consequence. And uh, if you are in the area and you need uh, some help with any of that kind of stuff, you could always reach out to me and I'll put you guys in contact and hopefully you guys can do some business together. We're also praying today for uh, Federico Salinas, a good, good brother of mine in Christ. And I'm so thankful for him and his friendship. And uh, we're going to continue to pray for him and his family. We're also praying for another brother in Christ, Aldo, and his business here in Eagle Pass of Pro HVAC. Uh, we're also praying for another great brother in Christ, Hector, and uh, for the Lord's protection on him as he's out working. We're also praying for Alex Gonzalez, another brother in Christ, and uh, that the Lord would use him in a mighty way at the workplace. Uh, we're also praying for Liz with a financial matter that she is working to resolve. We're praying for Gabby for the classes that she is in for her job, Angela for the classes for her job as well. And we're also praying for Isabella and for Jessica in their walk with the Lord. Now, going on down to our uh, unspoken prayer list. Now, unspoken prayers are just simply prayers that perhaps uh, you don't have the exact words to describe the need, or maybe it's something personal that you don't, that not everyone needs to know the details of. Uh, but we, we know that the Lord knows exactly what the need is, and the Lord knows the need before we even are aware of the need. So uh, on our unspoken prayer list today, we're praying for uh, Eduardo Rodriguez. We're praying for Larissa. We're praying for Brother Hector, Manuel, Angela, Laura, Maria, Uriel, Ruby, and Adam. Heavenly Father, we want to thank you so much, Lord, for all that you do for us. Lord, we think of those that are on our sick list tonight. Lord, we pray that you would touch each and every one of them. Lord, that you would bring healing. Lord, that you would provide grace. And Lord, that you would uh, that you would just lift them up tonight and let them all know, Lord, that, um, that you are with them, that you are the great physician. And Lord, healing is within your power. And Father God, we just pray and commit them to you. We also pray for those on our general prayer list tonight. Lord, we pray uh, for uh, my brother-in-law Jude and for Aldo for their business. Uh, we pray that uh, you would just bless the work of their hands and uh, that you would uh, provide them uh, success in, in all of their endeavors. Lord, we lift up uh, Brother Salinas, Brother Hector, and Brother Alex. Lord, we pray that uh, you would just put your hedge of protection around them as they're out working. Lord, that you would use them in a, in a, in a powerful and in a mighty way to bring the gospel to those that they come in contact with. And Lord, that you would be a blessing to them in all that they do. We're praying for, uh, for Gabby and Angela uh, for the classes that they're taking. We pray for Isabella and Jessica for their walks with the Lord. And, of course, Lord, we lift up uh, uh, Liz for the financial matter that she is working diligently to resolve. Lord, we also want to pray for, uh, for Adam, a great brother in Christ, as, as he is uh, grieving and mourning the loss of his wife. Lord, we just pray that you would just bless him. Lord, that you would give him grace, that you would give him patience as, uh, as, as he uh, takes care of their children and uh, also, Lord, takes care of uh, the household and all the things that uh, need to be taken care of. 
Father, we just pray that you would bring comfort, Lord, that you would just touch him, and Lord, just uh, hold him close tonight, and we will thank you for that. And then, of course, Lord, for all of the unspoken prayers of our hearts, Lord, we lift up Eduardo Rodriguez, Larissa, Hector, Manuel, Angela, Lauda, Maria, Uriel, Ruby, and Adam. Uh, and, of course, for myself, Lord, for my unspoken prayer, prayer, uh, prayer need, Lord, I just pray that you would answer all of these prayers according to your perfect will for us and for our lives. And, Lord, that you would receive all of the honor and the glory that you deserve for it. And we thank you and we praise you tonight. Lord, we also pray for your blessings on the Bible study as we uh, prepare to get into it. Lord, we ask you to bless the preaching and the teaching of your holy word tonight. Lord, I pray that you would give me the words to speak. Lord, I pray that you would just help us along through this. Lord, you would just put your hedge of protection over us here at the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Lord, that uh, that you would uh, uh, prevent any technical problems to come up. Lord, that you would uh, uh, speak to those that are under the sound of my voice, and Lord, help this material be understandable to them. Uh, and Lord, uh, just have uh, you know, just, just to be a blessing to them through this study. Father, we thank you so much for everything that you do for us, and we ask all of this, and we thank you for it all in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. All right, folks. Well, if you have any prayer requests, you could always send them over to us by email at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. If you are a uh, subscriber to Spreaker, you could always jump on into our chat group and you could uh, drop your question or prayer request in the chat room for us and we will answer that question as quickly as we possibly can. Or if uh, you'd rather go over to our website, sortofthespiritpodcast.com, you could always use our web form to send those over. All right. Well, that brings us to our second break of the evening. Uh, when we come back from this break, we'll get into our Bible study. Uh, but at this point, this is going to give you an opportunity to go grab your King James Bible grab yourself a cup of coffee, maybe a refill, which I think I might do. And when we come back, we'll be getting into our Bible study tonight. And that will be on the dispensations and tonight specifically the pre-Adamic dispensation. Folks, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share with your friends, your family, and your followers. This is the Sword of the Spirit podcast, and we'll be back right after this. Don't go away.
This book contains the mind of God, the state of man, the way of salvation, the doom of sinners, and the happiness of believers. Its doctrines are holy, its precepts are binding, its histories are true, and its decisions immutable. Read it to be wise, believe it to be safe, and practice it to be holy. It contains light to direct you, food to support you, and comfort to cheer you. It is the traveler's map, the pilgrim's staff, the pilot's compass, the soldier's sword, and the Christian's character. Christ is its subject, our good its design, and the glory of God its end. It should fill the memory, rule the heart, and guide the feet. Read it slowly, frequently, and prayerfully. It is given to you in life, will be open in the judgment, and be remembered forever. It involves the highest responsibility, rewards the greatest labor, and condemns all who trifle with its holy precepts. The King James Bible, God's Holy Book. Amen. 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 Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. This is Joe Rusiello, and uh, I am really excited and looking forward to getting into tonight's Bible study. Uh, I don't know if I was more excited about doing the book of Revelation or more excited about doing uh, this study on the dispensations. I think it's a pretty even spread, to be honest with you. Uh, Dispensational truth is just something that is something I have been fascinated with from very, very early on in my Christian walk. And uh, it's something that, um, that, to be honest with you, if 
and we'll talk about it as we get further into the studies. Uh, you know, if if you don't if if you don't follow along dispensationally, um, you're going to have a lot of confusion in your Bible. You're going to assign things that just don't belong where you assign them. And again, we're going to cover some of that as we go through the study here. Now, I'm not exactly sure how long of a study this is going to be. So. Um, I don't mean tonight specifically. I'm just talking about in general. Like, uh, for example, the study we did in the book of Revelation was uh, 26 weeks, I believe, 25 weeks. Uh, And uh, it went by fast, right? It went by really, really fast. And, uh, uh, again, I I wasn't – I didn't have, like, a time frame as to how long we were going to go through it. But uh, uh, with the dispensations – I don't know, I'm in the same boat. I'm not exactly sure how long it's going to take to get through them. Uh, but the study of dispensations is very, very important, and it's something that uh, I've been lo- I was looking forward to getting into when the Lord kind of pointed me in that direction. Now, um, of all of the dispensations, when you get to the pre-Adamic, it's uh, one of the ones that we know the least about. You know, it's a little tough. Um, you know, when we get to some of the others... We tend to get truckloads of information, but I think it's important for us to uh, get into the pre-Adamic because in reality, it's going to lay a foundation for everything that's going to follow going forward in the study. You know, the Apostle Paul said, study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Now, the Bible, as I said earlier, the Bible has divisions in it, and there are more divisions in it than most people really recognize. You know, um, most people say, well, you know, I believe in the Old Testament and the New Testament. Well, so do I. I do. But uh, there are a lot of other divisions in the Bible. And, uh, you know, when you examine it and um, uh, and, and without knowing where those uh where those divisions are, you can really get yourself into some problems. And we see that to be a common difficulty uh, that people have because they're really unwilling to or they really don't rightly divide the word of truth. And uh, because of that, there's a great deal of confusion that results uh, throughout Christianity today. And, uh, and that's because people are just not doing that very thing. Now, you know, most cults, and most of the sects that you examine have a truth. And uh, they're even majoring on a truth. But when you examine it closely, you find that um, uh, they have a truth, but it's in the wrong time period. For example, the uh, Seventh-day Adventists say that you have to uh, keep the Sabbath day and you have to keep the Sabbath day holy. Well, it's a truth. It's just the wrong time. Uh, then you have the charismatic crowd that says you have to speak in tongues. Well, it's a truth, just the wrong time. You know, some folks say that we need to have some divine healers out here. Well, that's a truth, just the wrong time. Um, you know, God's saving that for the tribulation, and if you don't mind, I'd just as soon be absent. So as you begin to examine the cults and you, and you begin to examine the sects, you know, they have a lot of truth just in the wrong time period. You know, some folks say you're saved by works. 
Well, it's a truth. Just the wrong time. The wrong time. Some say you're, that you're saved by works and grace. Well, it's a truth. Just the wrong time. And then, you know, there are some folks that say there's no faith to it. It's all by sight. That's a truth. Just the wrong time. And we talked about that in the book of Revelation. God is saving that for the millennium. So you see, there's a lot of truth out there that people get a hold of, but if they don't rightly divide the truth, they get really confused. Then it's like so much of formal religion. You know, so much of formal religion says, uh, you know, we, the select few, the clergy, just the few of us, we've got the truth, and nobody else has it. Everybody else is a dummy, and uh, you just sit out there and listen and we'll spoon-feed you and tell you what you ought to know. Well, it's not that way at all. You know, the truth is available to any man who'll search the Scriptures. As a matter of fact, you know, the Bible tells us to search the Scriptures. The greatest admonition that we have is to search the Scriptures. God wants you to study to show yourself approved unto God. That's what our text says. The student of the Word of God, as spoken here, is a workman. You know, it takes some work to get into the Scripture and dig it out and find out what God has. But if you'll work, if you'll do the work, God will show you. Now, the word dispensation, the word dispensation itself is a Bible word. And uh, it's used four times in the Bible. And from time to time, you're going to hear me say things like, you know, dispensational truth or this dispensation or that dispensation. Um, and actually, you know, during this study, you know, and, and this series, uh, we're going to look at several of the dispensations. Uh, if you want to put it even more simple than dispensation, you can say time periods or, or references of time. All right. How about we take a look at some of those? Take your Bible and uh, head over to the book of Colossians, chapter number 1. Colossians, chapter number 1, and uh, verse 24. Colossians 1, verse 24. Who now rejoice in my sufferings for you, and fill up that which is behind of the afflictions of Christ in my flesh for his body's sake, which is the church? Whereof I am made a minister, according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, the word dispensation here seems to imply uh, a, a commission, a special commission that God gave to Paul. All right, let's look on. Even the mystery, which hath been hid from ages and from generations, but now is made manifest to his saints. So when the Old Testament prophets looked out over the prophecies that God had given them, all they could see were the mountain peaks of prophecy. They looked out al along a horizontal line, and they saw you know, several mountain peaks sticking up. God gave them a glimpse of the first coming of Jesus Christ, as well as the second advent of Jesus Christ. God gave them a glimpse of the tribulation, as recorded in the book of Jeremiah and Daniel. God gave them a glimpse of the millennium and of the kingdom. God gave them a glimpse of eternity. But what they didn't see were all the valleys 
in between the mountain peaks. And one of the valleys is the church age, the, the giant valley of some 2,000 years. That they couldn't see. That's why the Apostle Paul refers to it as a mystery, which has been hid from ages and from generations. In due time, God revealed the dispensations. All right, now to ignore the fact that God had a particular time revealed, uh, uh, at a particular time revealed ages and, and made some lines of division is to ignore is to ignore a vast portion of the Scripture. Look with me over in Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter number 3. Ephesians chapter 3 and verse 2. If ye have heard of the dispensation of the grace of God, which is given me to you, word, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, as I wrote afore in few words, whereby when ye read you may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. Well, it was a mystery. It wasn't known. God made it known to Paul. He made it known to us through the Holy Spirit, and therefore, it no longer has to be a mystery because it's been made clear. Unfortunately, though, it remains a mystery to many who don't study to show themselves approved. Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 9. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 9. Having made known unto us the mystery of his will, according to his good pleasure, which he hath purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth, even in him. All right, now this is a reference to the future. It's a reference to the future advent of Christ and even often to eternity uh, when all things that are in Christ will be gathered together to him and this particular time period is called by the Holy Spirit a dispensation. All right, let's look, one, let's look at one more. Uh, 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. All right, and verse 16. 1 Corinthians 9, verse 16. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of, for necessity is laid upon me, Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will, a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me. All right, now Paul had a dispensation of the gospel, a commission, so to speak, in this verse. Paul preached a peculiar gospel. It was peculiar in the sense that it was different from, from the gospel that Peter preached. It was different from the gospel that Peter preached. When Peter came along preaching, he was commissioned to, uh, like as he was commissioned to do over in Mark 16, uh, and when he came along preaching what he did in Acts chapter 2, he said that to a Jewish audience, and it was Jewish in its entirety. And he said, repent and be baptized for the remissions of sin. 
Now this was the now this was the gospel or a continuation of the gospel of the kingdom. Now as we get into the dispensations, you know, we'll examine in detail that gospel of the kingdom. Uh, but when Paul came along, when Paul came along, he preached a different gospel. He calls it he called it the gospel of Christ in Romans chapter 1 and verse 16. In other areas, he referred to it as my gospel. It was different it was different in the respect that the entire gospel gravitated uh, to the foundation stone of grace. Now, when you get over to Acts chapter 15, Peter and Paul and the rest of the guys get together, and they have this great ecclesiastical meeting. And uh, the conclusion of the meeting is, according to the words of Peter himself, the conclusion of the meeting is, is that we now live in a dispensation of grace. Man is saved by grace and faith and trust in Christ. Now, where did it change? And what's the difference? Well, as we examine the Word of God, we'll find out. So it's, it's our purpose in this study. And again, like I said earlier, I don't know how many weeks it's going to take, but uh, I hope to take you through the Bible from dispensational standpoint, from Genesis to Revelation. And we'll examine every dispensation in the Bible, every time period, that is. Uh, now, the thing that distinguishes a time period for the purposes of our study is this, how a man was saved, or a man's responsibility to God, man's disobedience to God, and the judgment that God put upon that man. Now, anytime that changes, and for the purposes of our study, will move into a new dispensation. You know, the popular concept that's been portrayed in, in biblical fundamentalism by some of the most outstanding leaders of, the, of biblical fundamentalism, and, uh, and you can read this in almost any commentary or, or uh, religious periodical, you know, almost any Christian piece of literature that you can pick up. Uh, they say that man has always been saved exactly the same way. Now, if that's true, if that's true, then you've got a vast portion of this Bible that you've got a problem with. As we examine this and go through this study, I'm going to show you many of those portions, all right? Now, many say that, you know, Adam was saved the same way that I was saved. The only difference is that Adam looked forward to the cross. We look back to the cross. And I'm sure you've heard that. But how is that possible? How is that possible? Adam had no information at all about the cross. He had none. None whatsoever. Adam had Genesis 3.15. Well, wait a minute. Just a minute. Who did God speak to in Genesis 3.15? The serpent right? Adam, if he was there, I mean, if he gleaned any information from Genesis 3.15, it doesn't tell him about the cross. It doesn't tell him about the efficacious atonement of the blood. It doesn't tell him about grace. It doesn't tell him about faith. It doesn't tell him to believe with all of his heart. It doesn't give him any of that information. 
in every age, in every age, man is saved by being obedient to the light that God has given him. I'll say it again. In every age, man is saved by being obedient to the light that God has given him. As the ages progress, the light progresses. And you'll see that. Uh, this, not, not today, but the, the next time we're together, um, would really push us to lend a definition as to what salvation is. Okay? Now, what is salvation? What is salvation? Did you ever really think about what it is? What is salvation? I mean, salvation is certainly the forgiveness of sin. Salvation is the inheritance of eternal life. Well, how did a man get that? As we begin to examine these things, it's all going to unfold, and it's going to unfold a great deal of Scripture to you. It's going to help you understand a lot of things and, and, and take what appear to be contradictions, take, uh, appear to take, uh, appear, what appear to be contradictions, it'll take them away and reconcile them. You know, in, in reality, this could be one of the most helpful studies that you could have. It's going to unlock a lot of doors in the Word of God for you. If we're really going to understand and study dispensations, if we're really going to begin to examine the time periods in the Bible, I think that the best place to start is in the very beginning. And in order to do that, there's a lot of Scripture that we have to draw upon to allow God to show us some of these things. And I think it's appropriate to ask ourselves this question. What in the world was the original plan? What was the original plan? In other words, what we have going on in the world today, you know, just life in general, you know, uh, what is it, 8 billion people on the face of the globe and, and, and all of history and all of prospective future, all that we see around us is just organized disorganization. If there is a God and that God is concerned about the affairs of humanity, what's his overall plan? Does he have a plan? Does the grand designer of the universe, does the architect of what we see around us have a plan? Or did he, did just, or did he just create what we see and just leave it for his own destruction? Does he have a plan? Yes. Yes, God has a plan. God has an overall plan. God has a master plan. And to completely appreciate some of the things that we're going to study, we have to have some kind of an understanding as to what that plan is. Now take your Bible and turn with me over to Isaiah chapter 45. Isaiah chapter 45. Now, if you went with us through the book of Revelation and our study on that, this, is, this passage of Scripture is going to be very familiar to you. We looked at it several times uh, in, the, in the latter end of our study. But uh, Isaiah chapter 45 and verse 18. For thus saith the Lord that created the heavens, God himself that formed the earth and made it, he hath established it, he created it not in vain. 
He formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord, and there is none else. Well, there it is right there. God's plan. He created it to be inhabited. Well, it certainly is inhabited right now. Then is it safe to assume that what we see is the fulfillment of God's plan? Would that be a safe assumption? Let's take a look over in 2 Peter chapter 3. 2 Peter chapter 3. Now, all of 2 Peter 3 is a prophetic passage. It's talking about the future. All right, 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 9. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and and the elements shall melt with a fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. So Peter here is talking about the final judgment upon earth. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the coming of the day of God? Now you see, there's a difference between the day of the Lord and the day of God. The day of God is defined right here. Wherein the, ele- wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The ultimate judgment. Nevertheless, we, according to, the prom- to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. All right, well, Revelation 22, you remember that, tells us that the new heaven and the new earth are going to be inhabited. Well, how can righteousness dwell if there's no habitation? Righteousness doesn't dwell in physical things like stone or concrete, you know, wood and stubble. Righteousness dwells within the hearts and the minds of individuals, inhabitants. And so God's plan in the past, eternity past, was to inhabit the earth. God's plan for eternity future is to inhabit the heavens and the earth. So what we're dealing with right now in the framework of time is a, um, uh, a parenthesis in God's plan. It's a parenthesis. All right? Let's turn now over to Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Now, whenever that was, I don't know when it was. Some folks have said that it was 6,000 years ago because Bishop Usher's chronological studies take us back to Genesis 1 by adding up all the begats to 6,000 years. Now, I don't disagree with that. You know, he's probably pretty close to being very accurate. But I don't know when this original creation was in the beginning. Whenever that was, God created the heaven and the earth. All right, let's look at verse 2. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. Well, at one point or another, this creation was in a situation of chaos. 
Now, Jeremiah chapter 4 talks about the earth being without form and void. Isaiah talks about the same thing. Now, the question that has to be resolved and answered is, was this how it was originally? And, and, and then, what do we have in the following verses? A record of what God did with that earth that was without form and void? Or was it, in fact, an original creation, perfect, and then something happened? that put it in a position of being without form and void. How was it? Well, I believe that God's original creation was perfect because we have never found any record of something God created that wasn't perfect. I mean, even Satan was created perfect. Now, you might be sitting there scratching your head saying he was. Sure he was. Sure he was. Look over in Ezekiel chapter 28, Ezekiel chapter 28, and we'll study this passage in detail in about a minute or so, so I'm not going to get into a lengthy explanation, but suffice to say now, um, this is a, a description of Satan, Ezekiel 28 and verse 14, thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee so. Thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked up and down the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. So even Satan was created perfect. You know, a lot of people have a misconception of, of what the word perfect means. You can be perfect, but untested. You see, Adam was created perfect also, but his perfection was an untested perfection. And when it was put to the test, he failed. It wasn't God's fault. It was man's. So what we have here is a creation, an original creation. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and we have something that took place that caused the earth to go into a chaotic condition referred to as being without form and void. Now, over this original creation, there was a king. There was someone who God put there to be in charge, and he's often referred to as a king. In 2 Corinthians chapter 4, in verse 4, Satan is called the god of this world. Now, that's a reference to him in this present age. And yet it seems that, that he was also a god or a king in eternity past. Now, as long as we're here in Ezekiel 28, let's take a look at it a little bit closer. All right, Ezekiel 28, and look at verse 11. Ezekiel 28, verse 11. Moreover, the word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation upon the king of Tyrus, and say unto him, Thus saith the Lord God, Thou sealest up the sum, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. Now, oftentimes when God's referring to Satan in the Old Testament, he refers to him in the third person, the king of Tyrus, the king of Babylon and Isaiah, and so on. Uh, these were uh, uh, earthly kings that Satan was controlling, just like at times he controlled men, even in the ministry of Jesus Christ. Now, I want you to recall that there was a time that Peter was allowing his mouth and tongue and mind to be controlled by Satan. Do you remember that? And, uh, and, and Jesus turned to, to, uh, you know, straight to Peter, and he, said, and he said to Peter, 
you know, get thee behind me who? Satan, right? He said, get thee behind me, Satan. Now, we have the same identical type thing going on here in Ezekiel 28. Here's a man, the king of Tyrus, who allowed Satan to come and control and infiltrate his life, uh, becoming a type of Satan, almost, um, almost Satan incarnate. You know, exactly as the Antichrist will be Satan incarnate, exactly as Judas Iscariot was Satan incarnate. You know, it was Jesus who said of Judas, he, he is a devil, right? He didn't say he was filled with a devil. He didn't say he was of the devil. He said he is a devil. So we have the same kind of situation going on here. All right. Uh, verse 13, thou hast been in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was thy covering. All right, so he was a creature made in immense beauty and wonderment. The sardius, topaz, and the diamond, and the beryl, and the onyx, and the jasper, and the sapphire, the emerald, and the carbuncle, and gold, the workmanship of thy tabrets and of thy pipes was prepared in thee in the day that thou wast created. So no wonder he's called an angel of light. No wonder he's called the God, small g, of this world. No wonder he's called the prince of the power of the air. It's no wonder it's he who's in charge of the municipalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in high places. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth. Now, there are several different kinds of angelic beings. If you go over to Isaiah chapter 6, you read of the seraphim. The seraphim are an angelic type of being. They're created of God. They have six wings. Uh, a cherub has two wings. And uh, any other kind of angel that you read about in the Bible has no wings. Now, of course, that blows the mind of the, uh, or the conception of the average modern artist who like to sit around and paint religious pictures, doesn't it? He always has this uh, little angel there with his wings. Isn't that right? But in the Bible, the average ordinary, ordinary angel has a man-like appearance. Some people say they look like a 33-year-old man. I don't necessarily believe that, but that's what some people say, okay? Uh, but you can find the description of angels as appearing as men all throughout the Word of God. Uh, there were two men who appeared to Abraham, right? But they were angels, and the Bible says they were as men. Even Satan was referred to in Ezekiel as a man. So, in other words, he can assume a man-like appearance. Thou art the anointed cherub that covereth, and I have set thee, uh, and, and I have set thee so. Thou wast, see, past tense here, thou wast upon the holy mountain of God. Thou hast walked upon walked up and down in the midst of the stones of fire. Thou wast perfect in thy ways from the day that thou wast created till iniquity was found in thee. By the multitude of thy merchandise, they have filled the midst of thee with violence, and thou hast sinned. Therefore, I will cast thee as profane out of the mountain of God, and I will destroy thee, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. 
thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Thou hast defiled thy sanctuaries by the multitude of thine iniquities, by the iniquity of thy traffic. Therefore will I bring forth a fire from the midst of thee. It shall devour thee, and I will bring thee to ashes upon the earth in the sight of all them that behold thee. All right, so there was a time in eternity past, whenever it was, when Lucifer, the cherub that covers Satan, was given a position of tremendous preeminence in heaven. He covered the earth. He was a king. He ruled over the affairs of the earth. But he lifted up his heart and pride because of his beauty and because of his wisdom. Isaiah chapter 14 is a record of the fall of Satan. Now, Isaiah 14 may also be prophetic in a sense that it probably is a description of the ultimate fall of Satan when God will cast him into the lake of fire forever and ever. Um, Certainly in type, it's a picture of what transpired in the past when he said five times, I will ascend above the Most High. I will ascend in the stars of the north. I will be like God. I will. I will. And God said, no, you won't. And he cast him down. Satan's domain was the earth. He ruled over the earth in that he covered. And uh, uh, he was one of the five cherubs, also called beasts or creatures in the Word of God. Interestingly enough, when you get to Revelation chapter 4, if you remember when we studied there, you know, you're given a, a picture of the throne of God, and you have four beasts. One of them has been eliminated. That one being this one, that we're talking about right here, Lucifer. So the original earth, the domain of Satan, and I'm certain that it was a, it was a perfect creation. Now, I'm not a scientist, all right? I don't pretend to be one. And uh, actually, you know, I get a little annoyed when people constantly try to make their Bible conform to the findings of science. You know, I don't... You know, I... I I don't really care if my Bible conforms to science or not. The Bible has proven itself to me enough to where I just believe it. Science hasn't proven a whole lot of anything to me, to be honest with you, except that man continue to die, men continue to kill themselves, and the only thing that science has proven to me is that man continues to find better ways to kill each other. The truth of the matter is, for those that are intellectually stimulated, Science has never turned up a fact that contradicts the Bible. I mean, oh, sure, they've they've come up with and concocted a lot of theories, but no facts. The fact of the matter is that you can depend upon your Bible. A real scientist will assume the Bible is right until it's proven conclusively wrong. But you see, the assumption of most scientists today is that the Bible is wrong and, and continues to be wrong until proven correct. By all theory, in, in our courts of law, you know, a man is found innocent until proven guilty. But you see, when it comes time for men to judge the Bible, that whole thing is reversed. The Bible is guilty until proven innocent. Well, folks, you know, my approach is that the Bible's innocent. The Bible's true, and you can depend upon it. 
People have been trying to prove it guilty for a very, very long time, but they have never come even close to being successful. Now, what we see is an original creation. Now, of course, you know, the big question is people come, well, what about the dinosaurs? You know, what about the prehistoric monsters? What about prehistoric man? Okay, well, all right, let's just back off here for a second, all right? The truth of the matter is, how much evidence really is there for prehistoric animals? How much evidence is there, really? Did you ever go to the Museum of Natural History? Did you ever go there? I mean, they have some amazing displays. They really do. You know, they have skeletons of dinosaurs that are bigger than, than you know, the building that I'm in. They're enormous. And, and to be honest with you, they're impressive. You know, you really, you, you can't, you can't help but walk around and look at those things and go, wow, you know, you mean that thing actually roamed the face of the earth? And then there's usually some guy there, oh, yeah, 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 about 60 million years ago, you know, we found over here in the strata, you know. Now, of course, that strata thing is just circular reasoning. You know, they say, hey, professor, how do you know, how do you know he's 60 million years old? Well, you know, because we found him in the strata, 10 layers down. Oh, oh okay. Well, how do, you know the, how do you know the strata 10 layers down is 60 million years old? Well, because we found the dinosaur in it. What? <laughs> uh, would, would you mind saying that again, please? You know, that, that's the kind of reasoning that you deal with. You know, down in the Mississippi Delta toward Louisiana some years ago, uh, you know, they were digging along and they were digging along and they, and they said, you know, we're getting down, you know, 26 strata. And it was getting exciting. And they found some bones and they said, oh, they were, they, they were around the 80 million year mark. And, you know, it was getting exciting. And scientists were coming from all over the country and they were bringing their TV cameras. And, you know, uh, there was this guy, he was digging and all of a sudden he heard a clunk clunk it was something really really hard and everyone was getting excited oh oh this could be it this could be the missing link here it is and they started to dig frantically around they started to filter all that dirt through the screen you know and 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 then they and then they started to slowly dig around and they finally got it there it was amazing 26 strata do you know what they found a Johnson 10-horse motor. No, oh, that's right. I'm not kidding. I am not kidding you. And, and by the way, that was at the 80-million-year level. It's amazing how Neanderthal man, man got around, right? <laughs> it's amazing. So um, when, I was, uh, when I was back up in New York, and I, I used to work uh, for New York City, and... Uh, uh, I had to go to an event that the city was having at the Natural History Museum. And, um, you know, I had to go to this event. It was part of the job, you know, and it was being held there and, at the museum. And uh, after the presentations, you know, some of my colleagues and I, we kind of wandered around. And, you know, I asked one of the people that worked there. I said, hey, can you tell me something? How much of this is, you know, all these bones and all this stuff, how much of this is manufactured and how much of this was actually found? You know, how much of it, in other words, how much of this is real and how much of it isn't? And uh, he said, well, you know, quite a bit of it's real. 
And, uh, you know, I said, really? I said, well, how much of it? And we went back and forth a little bit. Well, quite a bit. You know, a lot of it's real and, you know, the part's real. And But it, the, the bottom line of it, when he finally gave me an answer, do you know how many real bones were found to construct that whole thing? There were enough to fill a basket. Just a basket. You know, Maybe there were dinosaurs. Maybe there weren't. I don't know. If there were, the original creation may have been a good place for them. I don't find any conflict with that in the Bible. You know, maybe there were some running around before the flood. Maybe there were. Maybe there weren't. I don't know. Maybe God didn't bring all the animals into the ark. Maybe he decided to let a few of them drown. I don't know. But if in fact there were, there's no problem. There's no problem whatsoever. Every indication in the word of God is that there was a previous civilization of some kind. But because of a fall, because the king of that world who lifted up his heart and pride was once the top end of the universe covering the throne of God was literally flung down to the bottom end of the galaxy to the bottom end of the solar system. That's where the earth is today in comparison to the constellations and the galaxies that are out there. Down at the bottom end. That's why God said earth would be his footstool. And that's where we are. All right, folks, this is the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Uh, We're going to take our last break of the night, and then we'll get right back here into the study. Folks, don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this with your friends, your family, and your followers. Help us spread the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we'll be back right after this. Don't go away. People steal, they cheat. Be. Mm-hmm. 
Amen. Amen and amen. Welcome back to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. Again, this is Joe Rusiello, and we are studying the pre-Adamic dispensation. And, um, you know, we're talking about uh, quite a few things here. Some of it may be a little confusing to you. But, folks, if you have any questions or comments about what we're talking about tonight, uh, send me over an email, info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Or uh, use our web forum on our website, or you can uh, drop us a note over in the chat group on the Spreaker platform if you are uh, logged in there with an open, active account. All right, so uh, the last thing we were talking about here, we were talking about the Earth and its comparison in the constellations and the galaxies, and we said that um, uh, that uh, that God cast the Earth down to the bottom end, and that's why... In the Bible, God refers to the earth as his footstool. And, of course, that's where we are. And uh, the king over the earth was Lucifer. Now, um, you know, there are some people out there that will ask, well, how is it that I can know for sure that we're looking at a recreation? All right, well, to answer that, what follows in Genesis chapter, chapter 1 is um, we have a creation, Right Then we have a fall, uh, a chaotic condition, Satan being deposed. He becomes the prince of the power of the air. And then what follows is uh, light, the firmament, dry land, solar light, fish and fowl, animal and man, and then the Sabbath day. And, uh, and all of that, what follows in Genesis chapter 1, is a recreation. Well, how do we know that for sure? Well, you can pick up a lot of Christian scientific-oriented literature. They, they really don't want you to believe that. Uh, what they try to do is they try to, is they try to hammer and funnel all of history into the last six or 7,000 years. Now, some of that history is put out by some good people, and they have some excellent information, uh, like uh, Henry Morris and his Institute for Creation Research. Uh, that's a good resource. Um, it's not much of a Bible believer these days, but uh, when it comes to blasting evolution on a scientific basis, I mean, they're terrific. They have some really great information on that. Uh, you can read a book by a man named Klotz who wrote a book called Genes, Genesis, and Evolution. I mean, that's really good information. Uh, you know, when it comes to scientific information, that's, uh, that'll just put evolution out of the ballpark. Mr. Klotz Clo- Mr. got. Uh, he'll do it. Um, but, uh, you know, all of these men, all of these men make one common mistake. They have it in their head that ultimately it's not going to be the Word of God that'll be the final authority, but it's going to be science that'll be the final authority. So, you know, somehow they try to mold Scripture to what science says. You know, maybe there are some things out there that science says uh, that I just don't understand and can't explain. So what? I'll still believe my Bible. I will still believe my Bible. You know, there was a time... Uh, four, five hundred years ago, where science said the world was flat. You know, they told Columbus that. Uh, they said that he was crazy. He was going to sail clear off the edge because the world was flat, as flat as a table. Uh, that's what the scientific minds of the world said. Uh, now, uh, the ancient Egyptian people, you know, they were brilliant. You know, you don't build pyramids without some smarts. <laughs> Amen. 
you have to understand some principles of geometry to build one of those things. But you know, as smart as they were, they couldn't figure out the orbital system of the Earth. So what they did is they concluded that the Earth sits on the back of a giant tortoise that swims around in a great sea. And every time you have an earthquake, it's because a tortoise is getting through some rough water. Uh, did you know that the oldest book in your Bible is the book of Job? The book of Job is the oldest book in your Bible. It was written before the Egyptians built the pyramids, no doubt. Uh, do you know what Job said? Job said, the Lord hangeth the earth upon nothing. How about that? You know, in 1955 or 1956, the University of Michigan Medical Center came up with an astounding fact that resulted from, oh, I don't know how many hours of research uh, uh, and large amounts of money, I'm sure. Uh, you know, what they said was they had discovered that on the eighth day after birth, a human body has more natural antibodies to fight infection and bacteria in it than any other time in your life. We don't understand why, but for some peculiar reason, on the eighth day after birth, that's a fact. Well, hooray for science. Hooray for science. Well, did you know that way back in the Old Testament, in the Pentateuch, under the law, God said to Moses, I want you to circumcise your baby boys on the eighth day after birth. Ah, that's just a coincidence, right? I don't always understand it, but I know one thing. I know one thing. If you'll just hang on in time, God will reveal it to you. It may not be until the judgment seat of Christ, but he'll reveal it to you. Now, I want to show you a couple of things, and then we're going to start to look to close this out for today. When we get to Genesis chapter 1, we have a week of creation. And uh, there is evidence, ample evidence, that this was a recreation. Now, keep in mind, we have a fellow here who thinks he's a king, all right? Now, who am I talking about? Well, I'm talking about Lucifer, Satan, the devil. And, uh, you know, God gave him dominion over a physical earth, as well as a spiritual realm. For there are spirit beings who are under his dominion and his authority. And, uh, you know, we see those spirit beings in Job when the sons of God, whoever they are, whatever they are, accompany Satan up to the throne of God to verbally assault Job. So he's a king. Uh, so what we have as a main theme of the Bible is the subject of kingdoms. The main theme of the Bible, believe it or not, is not salvation. Now, I'm glad salvation's in there. Praise the Lord for it. But the main theme of the Bible is kingdoms. You know, it's too bad that the governments of this world can't figure that out. You know, they're all trying to figure out how to have peace, right? But the subject of the Bible is kingdoms, and Satan was ousted out of a kingdom. Now, the next time we get together, next Thursday night, we're going to see how he was bent on getting that kingdom back. Uh, as we move ahead, we're also going to see man's responsibility, man's disobedience, man's judgment in every dispensation in addition to the tracing the kingdoms. And then we're going to see how the battle for the kingdoms mold and shape how uh, over the last 6,000 years of humanity as Satan and man, uh, you know, the men that God had appointed 
uh, have battled back and forth for the kingdom and, and how that thing in itself has shaped and molded history. God told Adam to have dominion over all of creation, and he gave him dominion over the fish and the fowl and, and, and so on and so forth. Then Adam fell, and Satan got the kingdom back. God told Noah to have dominion over it. Then Noah fell, and Satan got the kingdom back. By and by, God approached a man named Abraham, and he made an unconditional covenant with him. God told Abraham that he was going to make a covenant of grace with him, and it would be unconditional. He said that the covenant won't just be with Abraham, but with his seed. And then from that day forward, the assault came not upon the individual, but upon the seed. I mean, think about it. Have you ever wondered why the empires of the world have always looked at the Jew as the problem? Do you ever wonder about that? Have you ever wondered why during the Spanish Inquisition, the Roman Catholic Church and all the rest of them decided that the Jew was the problem? Have you ever wondered why the Babylonian Empire decided that the Jew was the problem? Have you ever wondered why the Syrian Empire decided that the Jew was the problem? Have you ever wondered why the Romans decided that the Jew was the problem? This battle has literally shaped history. Have you ever, have you ever wondered why that little thousand-mile equilateral triangle over there in the Middle East that God promised Abraham back in Genesis chapter 15 has had more battles and more wars fought over it than all the rest of the, of the earth put together? The Valley of Megiddo in Israel, where the Battle of Armageddon is going to take place, is called the crossroads of the world. There have been more battles fought in that valley than on any other place on the face of the earth. You know, you follow that thing through the Word of God, and by the time you get done, you'll have a real appreciation for why, for, for what has taken place over the years and why. All right, let me show you this, and then we're going to quit. All right, let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. I'm going to show you why I believe that what, we're looking at, that what we are looking at is a recreation. You know, I said this before on, on another show, I have to not drink espresso when I'm doing the show because I feel like I am going a mile a minute and I'm getting tongue-tied. So if that's the case, I apologize. Uh, let me know your thoughts and comments. Email me, info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. All right. So um, I'm going to show you why we believe that we're looking at a recreation. Now, some people are going to point you to Jeremiah chapter 4. Now, Jeremiah 4 is probably tribulation. So people look at Isaiah 14, but, you know, that's a little shaky too. Ezekiel 28 does show us that Satan was a king in times past, but I'm going to show you something. All right, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. Now, this is a cosmic type of light. 
it's it's not the light of the heavens that was created on the fourth day. You know, solar light, two different lights, two different lights. And the psalmist will tell you that. All right. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. All right. Now, notice in verse 4 God saw the light and that it was good. All right. Verse 6. And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the, hev- in the, midst of the waters, and let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament and divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. All right, now, what's going on here is this chaotic earth is engulfed in water. God calls it the face of the deep. The whole thing is immersed in water, and God divides the waters from the waters, and he pushes some of the water to the top of the universe, and he pushes some of the water to the bottom of the universe, and the very solar system that we operate in today is surrounded by water. God divided the waters from the waters. Now, do you know what's before the throne of God? What's before the throne of God is called a sea of glass. A sea of glass. Satan goes up and down through that thing, and Job chapter 41 says he makes it boil like a pot of ointment, and he's called a Leviathan. All right? Now, here's what I want you to notice. Go to verse 9. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together unto one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas, and God saw that it was good. All right? Now go down to verse 12, and it was good. Verse 18, and God saw it was good. Verse 21, and God saw it was good. You go down through every one of these days, and you have that comment, God saw that it was good. Every day except one. God never says that about the second day. God refuses to attest to the fact that the day that he created the firmament, that is the day that he divided the waters from the waters, when he created literally the solar system, the constellations, the galaxies that we live in, God never said that it was good. He created it, but he didn't say that it was good. Do you know why? Because he couldn't. Do you know why? Because it's the dominion of Satan. That's why. You know, honestly, that's why I don't like to fly. (laughs) You know, no thank you. You know, I get nervous enough just climbing a ladder. You know, doesn't the Bible say that he's the prince of the power of the air? That's it. You know, when you study your Bible... Uh, I, I was talking to a coworker today about this, and that's exactly what I said to her. I said, you need to watch for what's there as well as what isn't there. He was already there. 
He was a leviathan in the sea, making it to boil like a pot of ointment. Went up and down through it, and then God divided it, and now he's the prince of the power of the air. He's in high places, as Isaiah 24 says. Then in Genesis chapter 1 and verse 28, the Bible says, And God blessed them. This is talking about the creation of man. And God blessed them and said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Replenish. Replenish. Now, the dictionary definition of replenish is to recover former fullness. Replenish. 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 God says, let's replenish. Let's replenish the original creation. All right, let's do it again. Now, all of this is important because we're going to refer back to this from time to time. Now, next time we'll examine the dispensation of innocence, how that God put man upon the earth and what man's responsibility was and what his disobedience was and what his judgment was. And then we'll begin to trace the kingdoms as we go through the word of God. Okay? All right, let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for tonight. Lord, we want to thank you for the Word of God. Lord, we want to thank you uh, for the ability to preach and to teach the Word of God. Father, we thank you for the truth that we have written in your book. Father, help us to understand these great truths tonight. Lord, speak to our hearts. Uh, prepare our minds to receive the truth, to receive, thus saith the Lord, as we go forward in this study on the dispensations. Father God, I want to pray for any of those listening tonight, whether it's live or whether it's uh, as a podcast later on. Father, I just pray that, uh, that uh, if there's any that's uh, not saved, that doesn't know the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, that, uh, that today would be the day that they get saved. Father God, I want to thank you for all those listening in. Lord, I ask you to bless each and every one, protect them, hedge them about as they go about their day. And until we come together again on Sunday, Lord, God bless uh, we, we thank you and we praise you and we bless you in the precious name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, and amen. All right, well, uh, we are fast coming up on the uh, two-hour mark. I'm hoping that you guys were able to stay with us through the whole thing. I know this is a lot of information that we threw at you tonight. It uh, can be a little uh, tedious and... Um, hard to follow at times, but what you can do is if you have any questions or comments, uh, you can always email them to me at info at sort of the spirit podcast.com. I'd be happy to answer them for you. And, uh, don't forget, uh, to tune in to us on Sunday at 3 PM central time for our sermon Sunday broadcast. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all there. Lord willing. All right, folks. Well, it's just about that time. I just want to say thank you again for tuning in tonight. Uh, head over to our website, sortofthespiritpodcast.com, and if you could help us out with a contribution, that would be great. We would appreciate it. Uh, send over any questions or comments that you might have. And, folks, until we meet again next Sunday evening, God bless you. Win the loss, no matter the cost. Take care.
You've been listening to the Sword of the Spirit podcast. If you have any questions or comments, visit our website at swordofthespiritpodcast.com and send us a message. Or email us directly at info at swordofthespiritpodcast.com. Until next time, God bless you and good day. 